0: From Relay FM, this is Upgrade, episode 20. Today's show is brought to you by lynda.com, where you can instantly stream thousands of courses created by industry experts for a 10 day free trial. Visit slash upgrade, MailRoute, a secure hosted email service for protection from viruses and spam, and Casper, because everyone deserves a great night's sleep. My name is Mike Hurley, and I am joined by the one and only Mr. Jason Snell. Hi, Mike. How's it
1: going? I'm very well, sir. How are you? pretty good starting my week with uh with upgrade as always it's nice nice little routine we're working out here 20 weeks in i like it i
0: like that we kind of we can look forward to the week ahead we can look at the week that's just gone like the kind of the it feels different to when you have a show midweek because a midweek show it's like well all you've got is what happened in the last two days but like a monday show it's kind of you've got all of last week and if there's anything exciting coming you can talk about all of that too there's just a different feeling about it, which i enjoy take that atp yeah and also also <laughs> jason we record and release on the same day that's yep that's the mike hurley promise <laughs> that's right well as
1: long as you don't have casey list doing your qa for your podcast so oh you yeah no i have that Zing! experience Take sometimes
0: casey. we we definitely have that experience but
1: mm-hmm. they do sound very good because they do of it. they do sound very good because of they it. do at least somebody has standards on that show mm-hmm. it's casey not you That's okay. I have no standards. That's that's
0: the other that's the other Mike Hurley promise.
1: We actually have. um, We should do this now. We actually have before follow up. We have something that listener Michael uh, wrote in and and suggested we call follow out, (laughs) which is uh, the follow up from other podcasts that is not our podcast. Which is a perfect name. Uh, so thank you, listener, Michael uh, analog. Uh, you did a music episode, episode mm-hmm. 23. Now you just dropped number 24, I believe yep. uh, right before we recorded this or over the weekend. Um But I I wanted to tell you, I really loved the music episode. I thought it was really great. You can tell it's a good podcast when you are desperately trying to interrupt the people who are playing on your car radio and tell them things, and you can't because it's a podcast. And that is how I felt. Like I really enjoyed you guys talking about music and how you listen to music and your guilty pleasures and things that you love and and, uh, how you process lyrics or don't process lyrics. I thought that was all really, really fascinating. And even though you got the details of Crowded House wrong, you corrected it the next week after I sent you a detailed correction. And uh, that was nice too. It, it was. It's always amusing when I hear my own name in a podcast because I'm driving I'm like, oh no, they're talking about me now. Uh, it's very <laughs> strange. But uh, I really loved that episode. I thought it was a lot, of, a lot of fun. And yes, Neil Finn is the band leader of Crowded House and he's from New Zealand. So you might as well call it a New Zealand band even though a couple of the original members were from Australia and then they have got some Americans in it uh, when they when they tour these days.
0: I'm not surprised you felt like you wanted to to jump in because we got over, I got about ninety five percent of all of your information wrong. I yeah, may well, have well we that's called true. You like snation gel or something. It just carried yeah. on like that. It was a, yeah. it was yeah. a disaster.
1: <laughs> but, you, you did. You got my name right, so
0: thank you for that. <laughs> that's the only part. That's all <laughs> in it. Um, I enjoyed that episode so much that I, I want to do a music podcast. I loved talking mm. about it, and I loved the edit, even though it was more complex, like to put little snippets of audio in yeah. like, the songs. So it's really, really fun. So the problem with music is the taste of it. Um, And yeah. e- everybody has differing music tastes. So mm-hmm. I don't even know what you'd cover. It's just too much music to cover new releases. And even then, like how much can you really learn? Like for me, I don't want to talk about an album I've listened to for two days. I need to listen to them for weeks to know if they stick. So We it's talked a,
1: about doing a, um, an album draft on the Incomparable classic music draft where we would just pick favorite albums and talk about them kind of round robin. I wonder if you could do something like that where you just talked about a, a different release or band every week and found a couple of people who love that band or album or whatever to talk about it. Yeah, I, I mean, that,
0: that, that could definitely work. That could definitely work.
1: Also, you did you did it. Uh, you did. Uh, I like the undercut music, but you didn't. It was always just underneath what you were talking about. And um, you know, it, you, once once you're talking about the work, it's actually fair use. To you could have probably taken a you know 15 second break in the middle and played a little bit more of it because I I found I found it great that like Casey would mention something and then it was playing in the background, but it was not quite enough for me to get what it was. Uh, but yeah. it was still neat to hear.
0: Usually I take
1: breaks. I don't know
0: why I did it that way. It just felt like a, a different way to do it. When I when yeah. I was editing it together, I was like, "Oh, I like this style." Because usually, like with clips like that, I will take a break and just play the play a section
1: of it and then right. cuts back in like again. I'm, but, like I'm connected. Yeah, yeah. But but I thought no,
0: let's 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 have it as like a little bed.
1: I do that. I do that too. Sometimes with the uh, video game stuff or, or other stuff where I've got where we're talking about music, I will. Uh, you know, you have to make that decision if, if you want to stop the conversation for a minute to listen to the music or whether you want to just kind of have it on in the background as a nod. Anyway, I liked. Uh, I enjoyed that episode. That's shameless promotion for another relay podcast, but um, I, I enjoyed it and I, I appreciate that you. We this doesn't have to be correction follow out because you you corrected all of that stuff yourself. I did. I was very sad. Um I mentioned this on the Incomparable this week that um in the I think it's in the bonus track that Casey um referred to Peter Gabriel as old people music because on one level, you know Peter Gabriel was one of my all-time favorites and that makes me feel like an old person. On the other hand, and Lisa Schmeiser and I talked about this in the in the incomparable bonus track this weekend, um That uh, there is that moment where, like, you go see Peter Gabriel in concert, and she and I actually went to a concert, and uh, and uh, you've got your mental image of Peter Gabriel in 1986 in your head, and then you see him, and he's like bald with a goatee, a white goatee, and next thing you know, he's playing you know versions of his songs with uh, with a symphony, and you realize, oh, he he is. He is old people now, <laughs> yeah, but he wasn't. And, and you he wasn't around. back
0: then. You look around and to see who who your like you know who your company oh, is.
1: Well, that was my my memory with uh when we went with Lisa was uh, that there were lots of uh, gray haired people there, but we were we were probably on the younger side of the people who were there because there's people who've been following him since he was in Genesis in the early 70s. Um, but we were on the younger side. But you know, we when we went and saw him, we were like 30. 31 in there. So not not too not too up there. But now if we went back, yeah, it would be people in with like walkers and wheelchairs. So old people music. It's sad, but that's that's but his his he's reached the point in his career where he seems to not even be trying to do anything new really, and it's all just sort of like reflections and when when you get these symphonic uh, recreations of your of your catalog. Um yeah, it's it's you're just cashing it in. You've so, run out. You've run out oh of well. stuff. It happens, it happens to everybody uh eventually i suppose but i look forward to our symphonic podcasts one day jason Uh, that's right it's just old episodes we don't even have to do it mike we'll just have our old episodes and then there'll be symphony music played in a music bed underneath them (laughs) that'll be classic it'll be classic upgrade classical upgrade Mm? very nice very nice and they'll be upgraded classically as well oh man uh follow-up time i think yes uh, smart speed again. Little more. Uh, little more. Boy, we started something when we mentioned that you could look up how much time you've saved in overcast. Still happening, unless there's a bu- unless there's a bug and you can't see it. Still getting. Um, yeah, yeah. But listener Evan did a blog post on uh, Medium. I think called where... blog posts. I don't know on Medium. I it's feel a, like that'd he be did called a, something else. Okay, he made a he made put some words at a URL. <laughs>
0: Can we talk about Medium one day?
1: Because I don't understand Medium. uh, And and I feel like you might... I'm not sure Medium understands Medium, but sure, oh, okay. we can talk about Medium sometime. But anyway, he he did a, he, he wrote a thing about Smart Speed and Overcast, and what he did that was extremely clever is captured the audio output from Overcast playing an episode of Hardcore History and from iTunes on his Mac playing the same episode of Hardcore History and posted that to SoundCloud. And so the Mac is on one side of the stereo environment and the uh, the iPhone is on the other side. And what you get is... Uh, you can listen as Smart Speed saves you time, and by the end of that episode of Hardcore Hi- History, I believe he saved twelve minutes, because that's a pretty loose podcast. And one of the things listener Evan points out in this in this piece is that uh, the tighter podcasts, you you know, they, you don't really save a lot of time. And in fact, he's got Smart Speed turned off for of those podcasts because once a once a, a, a something like ninety nine percent invisible, once something is really tight. You kind of almost want to say, okay, if there's a pause in there, they're doing it for a reason. So we, you just turn off Smart Speed. But there are these other podcasts that are super loose, and you can turn on Smart Speed and save. In the case of Hardcore History, uh, twelve minutes, and it is it is kind of a kick to listen as uh, the 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 sound in your right ear just totally drifts away from the sound in your left ear.
0: I I just thought it was an interesting because sometimes I'm listening and I see Overcast is going, or I look at those stats, and I'm like, I wonder how much it's saving me like per episode and Mm. where this doesn't obviously, you know, your numbers may, your, your mileage may vary depending on the show you're listening to. It was just interesting to see like, no, it is like every time you listen, like, you know, potentially there is a significant change. Like you, you are knocking a couple of minutes off or whatever.
1: And it's like, they obviously, as we have seen, Jason, that adds up i don't know mike it kind of gives me a complex it makes me want to talk really fast and without any breaks in between because if i do that then smart speed can't do anything and then i win but then you know i can't i'm only human i'm gonna run out of breath and then when that happens smart is gonna kick in and then oh no next up on the follow-up what would you like to do jason let's go for the <sighs> follow-up people listening on
0: 2x right now their heads just blew up
1: <laughs> oh I telephone oh <laughs> uh, uh, listener steve wrote in and said you guys seem to have something out for the apple podcast app what gives so i've been thinking about this jason
0: Mm-hmm. I used to have a problem with the Apple podcast app. Um, when it was
1: a real to real tape, it was really awful, yes. Um
0: the UI, I I can see the I can
1: see the problems people have with that, but I I found a, a kind of cuteness in that. Mm. Um where it was It was it was cute, but it hurt the functionality. That was my problem with it is it, it, I didn't mind that it was cute. I minded that it uh it uh it like pushed other important things away <laughs> so yeah. that it could be cute
0: so the main The main problem that I had with the Apple podcast app was it wasn't sync or anything like that that many people had it was it was lack of show notes support and it it just displayed your show notes as a list of text that was all you got and there weren't links it was just a list uh. um that's actually been improved now um and and I know that the guys that and girls that make that app have taken great pains to make it work properly uh so I actually don't have a problem with the app. Like previously, I would have said to people, do not use it. Um, but now, like, I'm happy. Like if somebody wants to get into podcasts, it's on the phone, like go for it. I think the fact yeah. that it's on every phone is amazing. When I heard about that happening, I needed cartwheels. That's fantastic for us to have an app. that I know, I know they're frustrating, but an app that can't be deleted, it may be more likely that people will check this stuff out. They go to the iTunes store, they browse around. Um, but just for me, I think, if you enjoy podcasts or as soon as you've listened to one and you've decided you want to lose another, I think that there are many more options out there that, that you should look at that I think are are superior for somebody who wants to get into listening to podcasts in a serious
1: way. Yeah, I agree. I, I think there are, um, it's fine. It's fine. I, I, it's way better than it used to be. Uh, I like that it syncs, um, I think uh, the show notes thing is important. In fact, uh, related to this is uh, listener Gordon wrote in and, and said, whenever we talk about the show notes, for example, the show notes for this episode can be found at upgrade or no, at, see, I blew it, relay.fm slash upgrade slash 20, right? Um, what we don't say is, or in the app you're listening to, <laughs> which, which we probably should mention because most podcast apps will show you the show notes as you're listening. Yeah. Um, but I, so uh, I think the podcast app is fine. I, like I said, I like up, uh, I like overcast because um, of smart speed and because the, uh, the speed acceleration that Marco is doing is, I believe, better. I think that because he hand tuned the way he processes the audio in overcast, I don't hear um, acceleration artifacts that I hear in every other podcast app. And so if you do want to listen at 1.2, all the other podcast app, I feel like there's like click, 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 click. As you go, it just, and it drives me crazy. So I've until Overcast, I literally never listened to a podcast in anything but 1X because I just couldn't take it. And now I do. And that's because it sounds... Acceptable to me in a way it didn't before. So I think podcast app is great. It's free. It's on every phone. It's good for podcasting. People should people should start with it. But there are features that something like Overcast is going to be able to give you. It's the same old story as any other Apple product, right? Apple is never going to make a product that is super fiddly. That it's going to satisfy every single uh, use case of power users. That's that's not what they're there for. They're there for like the baseline to get you started. And uh, that's what the podcast app is. But I don't think I don't think it's terrible. I didn't like it originally, but I think it's okay now.
0: Listener Matteo asked um, if we think that our figures because we were talking about like the, how overcast is is a has a much larger portion of our download numbers than anybody else any other mm-hmm. podcast app uh, Matteo wondered if it was because we have our little uh, director in the directory Marco very kindly um, has a relay FM section which is fantastic and we're very very grateful that we have that there because um, I do believe it helps people bring in new listeners I think that yes. There, it, we may be skewed because of that in some instances, but I don't know if that's the so, would be the sole uh, reason for that. Um, I, I don't know. It's, it's it's impossible to tell. I think really, but
1: right. And I I looked on um, on incomparable, and like I said um, to the listener Mateo on Twitter, on incomparable, the overcast numbers are still pretty huge. And there is no incomparable section in Overcast, although incomparable itself is in one of the sections. It's not in its. It's not in its own section, so um, it's less so. But then again, it's less so uh, dominated by Overcast than Upgrade is, or, or than Relay in general is. It's, um, you know, uh, podcasts app and iTunes are still really strong. In in fact, if you put them together, they are the number one uh, client for. Um, for incomparable shows. And then Overcast is number two. Hmm. Yeah. I
0: don't, I don't know. know. Different, don't know.
1: different, different audiences. Um, anyway, it's worth, worth thinking about. Uh, listener Rajiv wrote in to say, why does Apple require a wired co- connection for CarPlay? I would rather it work through Bluetooth. I don't know this for certain, but I'm going to take a crack at it, which is CarPlay is basically video out the video that's being displayed on these systems is being projected there by your iphone and um one i think you can't do that over bluetooth i think that sending a video a whole video thing over bluetooth is not something that you could do and somebody's going to write in and say well theoretically you could but it's not actually implemented by anybody and that's fine email how much of how much of airplay is bluetooth (laughs) um Nothing, oh, really. Airplay, Airplay is all Wi-Fi. Okay, I didn't know that. Yeah, it's all Wi-Fi. Right. So, um, and and the second thing is, if you did a wireless stream, your phone would run out of battery.
0: <laughs> yeah i was gonna say that like yeah so, i understand why it might be easier to just walk into the car and it connects but charge plugging it in you're charging it you're powering the phone like you would just every time you went on a drive you'd get out of the car and you'd have no battery left on your phone like that's a frustrating experience mm-hmm. i think so if you force people to plug it in then they kind of don't know what they're missing i think that, yeah so i think even, it's
1: better so i my guess is that it you know I think you can't practically stream video to that thing, and that's what it's doing. It's not just sending data. It is streaming that that, that image you're seeing on the screen is being streamed live from the device, and that that doing that wirelessly is impractical, if not impossible, um, using Bluetooth, which is what's in the car. Um, But there's just, yeah, the power thing is the other thing, which is even if you did that, your phone would be dead by the time you got where you were going, especially if you were also navigating. So you're using the phone's GPS. So that's why. That's, I mean, that, it's just not practical. And I agree with you. You get used to just keeping your phone in your pocket and listening to podcasts when you're driving around. And CarPlay, you can't do that. And that's, that's totally true. I totally get it. But uh, it's just not practical right now to, to do it any other way. Uh listener Jeff wrote in to say so should Apple build a double din head unit. Okay. So we'll 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 decode that which is that's the the one I tested the thing I tested for CarPlay is a what's called a double din head head unit. Head unit. It's you know it's a radio that you stick in a car. Double din is it's it's uh like a if you use if you do servers, you know about like a 1U server or a 2U server in a rack. It's it's describing the height. Uh double din is essentially a 2U server for uh, car stereo. Um, so like my car has a double DIN space in it and I, I have a single DIN Sony head unit in it. And so I've got like a little uh, drawer <laughs> below it that's just there to fill the space. Um, so that's what he means. So basically it, having two stacked on top of each other. Yeah, So which is what the one that I, the CarPlay, Oh, thing that i use is that size it's it's to the screen to for the screen to be big enough you have to have the the two slots worth oh. um and i think most cars most cars do it's the equivalent of yeah it's two high instead of one high in the stack so if you had a car that only had a single din space you couldn't put one of these carplay units in it because they wouldn't fit um and my my answer to that is no i don't i don't think apple should build uh should get in this business because I don't think that's the problem. I I went back and forth with a couple people on Twitter. There was a guy who, um, who seemed to want to throw the, uh, the head unit manufacturers under the bus for bad CarPlay performance and said, well, you know, it's their touchscreen and, and, and their, their, you know, their unit itself is running some crappy version of Android and that's all true. But most of the problems I found with CarPlay are not the, I, I was I was giving a pass to the bad touchscreen and the laggy touchscreen scrolling because I figured that's probably the head unit's fault. But everything else, all the apps quitting, the, the the head unit has nothing to do with the apps quitting. That's things are bad. Things are happening on the iPhone, and that's Apple's problem. So I I think Apple needs to focus on getting the CarPlay software right. And honestly, you know maybe Apple needs to do a better job of validating these devices that are going to be uh playing their stuff and if there is a problem with the these head units that they shouldn't you know they shouldn't approve them they should say no this is not a car play device, it's not good enough. But right now, I think the problem is that their software is not good enough. And it doesn't even get to the point where there's they're, they're getting hurt by the hardware. It would be a, a nice problem to have if the, the, the software was solid, rock solid. And the problem you had is buying the right, you know, the right touchscreen to put in your car because you want one that's fast and responsive because that's going to be the thing that holds you back. And they're just not there yet. I, I, did, I got an email um, that I didn't actually i didn't put it in the document but we got a really we got a really nice email yeah. about uh carplay uh, and somebody who went to the Tro- detroit auto show this is listener sam uh and got demos of android auto and carplay and the the short version is that android auto looks much more functional to him than carplay um but the the impression he got from the people in the business is that Um, There's not a lot of action right now in Android Auto or CarPlay because neither of them is really good enough yet, which is certainly how I walked away from my time with CarPlay was this is just not ready. Um, So uh, anyway, Android Auto was interesting. I'm not going to buy a... (laughs) An Android phone and an Android auto end unit, and write that story. But um, I am intrigued by it, having seen video of it. I think it, Google is trying to to do more, and that I understand Apple's. I said this last week: reluctance to do more in the car um, because it's distracting. But what they've got is sort of not enough yet. But anyway, that that email from listener Stan was really um, was really good, and and I, I do get that impression that it's just not. None of this stuff is really fantastic.
0: Yeah, I, I, do. I just, just this feeling. I don't know where it is that like Google may have already done more similar things like this before, so are coming out with more experience. I don't know, but that's how I kind of have felt about the fact that Android Auto might be better because you know they've done things like Google TV and where that like, where those projects have not been very successful, they have kind of have done stuff like that and they're kind of used more used to dealing with devices they can't control, but.
1: Yeah. Yeah. uh, I see that. And yet in the end, um, you know, Apple did set the spec and say, look, basically give us a touch screen and uh, we will fill it. So they've got a lot of control over this. Um, And uh, yeah, and it is it's it is what it is. Yep. (laughs) Um, I realized that I didn't I didn't uh, put any of our our email that we got in the document. I'm so focused on hashtag ask upgrade. I'm going to have to get better at that. Um uh listener Nick wrote in to say, I like it when you guys disagree on the show. Uh, a lot of good debate spawns from that. Keep up the good work. Thank you, listener Nick. I disagree, Nick. Would you like to thank Nick? No, thank Nick. him! You're wrong, okay? This is terrible. <sighs> Never write in again. Oh well sorry, sorry, Mike. I, I just have to I just have to say you're totally wrong and then Nick should totally write in again. Well so are you. And scene. <laughs> um I got uh a, there's a there's a nice email we got from listener uh Joe who wanted to point out that uh he had he had actually another data point about Overcast, he had never heard of Marco when he downloaded Overcast. He thought he had heard the name, uh he didn't really know anything about it. He got frustrated um with Apple's app. Uh he actually downloaded Overcast uh deleted it after trying it for a day or two but got frustrated with Apple's podcast app gave it another shot and said now it's his go-to app and he he downloaded it because of the great reviews and bought it because it was a great app so in terms of marco marketing maybe he heard about it or maybe those reviews he saw were because of marco's notoriety but in the end he bought it just because mm-hmm. um he liked the app which i think is uh i think is good we got a, a nice email from uh listener tom who I've actually met at Comic Con. He is a uh, a comic writer and artist, um, and he just want he wanted to say that Marco marketing reminded him of the comics industry. Um, you know, he he said his his book, which is called Love and Capes, which I mentioned actually on our webcomics episode of The Incomparable. He said it did okay. DC Comics would have canceled it, but Tom isn't paying for office space in Burbank, <laughs> so what he needs to do to be a success is much less than what somebody like DC Comics. Uh, needs to do to be a, a success, which I really, I really liked. Um, and then he also made a Princess Bride reference. Did you get this? Have you seen the Princess Bride, Mike? Um, I'm not really sure what to say right now. Uh, well, you you have to tell you have to tell the truth. Like, we're I, in a zone of I truth have, here. I haven't seen it. I've You've seen never it. seen the Princess I've Bride? Never seen oh the my princess god. Bride. Well, you should go see it because it's a really funny movie. But Mike the, hasn't seen it. So Mike, yeah, yeah. So you didn't understand the Holocaust cloak reference at all, then? Did not. I googled uh, it because I thought he was making a really horrible. <laughs> I thought no. he was saying
0: something horrible to us.
1: No, he was not. But I uh, He he. What he says is. Um, when I hear people say, oh, but it's, it's fine for Marco, but I couldn't do that, what he says is, I think people are often ignoring their own assets, like the Holocaust cloak. And there's a funny moment in The Princess Bride where they list, uh, the man in black says, what are our assets? And they list the assets. Um, and then he notices that there's a there's a cloak, and he said, you didn't mention the Holocaust cloak, and that is the key to unlock the entire plan that's going to solve it. It's a funny a funny little moment. And that's what Tom is saying. is I can do an entire book myself. I don't have to hire anyone else. I live in Ohio, so I can drive to most of my conventions. Someone in L.A. LA has to fly to almost all of theirs. They have to ship their own books. Marco has a podcast and a lot of notoriety, but he also lives in New York and has a kid. Nothing's even. You can either complain about what you don't have, or you can make the most out of what you do. I thought that was really great. So thank you to Tom for that. Um, And I think that takes us to one last bit of follow-up, which is listener Robert, uh, who, based on episode 18, he said, uh, when we were talking about scripting things, he said, scripting is like taking back roads when the highway is slow. It might take longer, but you're still glad to be moving. I thought that was that sounds about right. <laughs> Sometimes it's just like at least I'm working on the problem now instead of just getting frustrated by it. It might save me time. It might not, but at least I'm moving.
0: We should put that on like one of those motivational posters of a
1: cat uh, I, it. I I think I think so. A cat sitting at a keyboard. It's a scripting. <laughs> it might take longer, but at least you're glad to be moving.
0: I had uh, one last piece of follow out. Uh, okay. I just wanted to very briefly mention if you haven't seen it already we have a new show on Relay FM called Rocket. Um it's a sort of a tech, gaming, pop culture uh focused show. Um it's hosted by Brianna Wu, Christina Warren and Simone de Rochefort. It's a fantastic show. We just did episode 2 go out today. Uh I am helping uh these lovely women out with the editing at the moment. Um so I get the pleasure of hearing the shows and episode 2 is fantastic uh including a long discussion about gem and the holograms which was a a cartoon show um, it was and <laughs> so about the also social... also haven't seen that mike have you no. not seen Gem and the holograms i oh, think i may have no. done when i was a kid actually when no I, yeah, I do know jim and, holograms. Uh, and they, there's a there's a good discussion about its social and cultural importance uh it's it's very interesting what i love about rocket is the tangents that they go down and nothing like the tangents on any other show i listen to like, they talk about, like, on episode one, they had, like, a five-minute tangent about the color of a, of a handbag. It's like, mm. I don't listen to any other tech shows that talk about this, and that's why I love Rocket, and that's why you should listen to it. Because the more I listen to the show, the more things that I'm finding myself learning about, and it's it's very interesting. Because it's, it's, it's similar topics, but not the same discussion. So you should be checking it out.
1: So, thanks to our friends at Relay FM for sponsoring our show. With you, should listen to Rocket. Then those guys,
0: those Relay FM guys.
1: (laughs) Do we have an actual friend, Mike? We do indeed. Our friends over
0: at lynda.com back to support this week's episode of Upgrade. lynda.com is an easy and affordable way to help you learn something cool. With lynda.com, you get access to a growing library of thousands of high-quality, fantastically produced videos. These can be on software, on hardware. Maybe you want to learn a little bit about Adobe Photoshop. Maybe you want to learn a bit about photography. Linda, if you want it, Linda's got it because they have these fantastic courses and as I mentioned, they're adding... Adding every single week. They have over 3,000 currently and they're adding more all of the time. Their courses are taught by people that know exactly what they're talking about. They can help you look at things like, uh, you know, I mentioned learning like software and hardware, but maybe you want to set some new financial goals. Maybe you want to get better at productivity. Maybe you want to improve on your job skills this year. Lynda.com has something for you. You get access to view their tutorials, of course, on your laptop or your desktop PC or, or Mac, of course, and you can view them on iOS and on Android because they have apps for those platforms too. Um, Lynda.com has highlighted some courses that they think that you might enjoy um, as listeners of Upgrade. Like maybe you will want to learn a bit about Swift. You, you may be developing an iOS app and or you've been working on a Mac app or an iOS app for some time and you want to learn about how to port that over to Swift. They've got courses there. Maybe you want to get started in development. They have iOS app development training right there so you can learn from start to finish how to build a great iOS app. But let's say you've built the app or you've ported your app over to Swift and you want to learn a little bit about how to market it. They have great courses on things like marketing online as well they can help you with marketing plans but also on how to use tools to get the word out there like maybe you want to learn like how do i do facebook ads like how does that make any sense what about twitter ads how do they make any sense they have courses on that stuff they have courses on everything do something awesome for yourself and go and sign up right now for a free 10-day trial to linda.com by visiting lynda.com upgrade go ahead i challenge you to learn something new and something awesome
1: Maybe something blue.
0: Thank you so much lynda.com, for supporting this show and all the relay FM.
1: Did you just challenge me to a duel? Yes. Okay. I you English people do that sometimes, I think.
0: Yeah, I can't help it. Dueling. I can't help it. It's uh, uh, a problem.
1: It's, it Linda
0: at dawn, I think, is the <laughs> all right.
1: is the term. <laughs> Uh we're we're topics now. We're in the topics. Mm-hmm. What, should we talk about uh, styluses and pens, Mike? Pens. pens? Yes,
0: pens. Pens are a topic near and dear to my heart, which I'm sure we will mention, or Jason will uh, mock me for slightly, but we'll see how we go with that. You wrote a great uh, post. Something I've noticed about you recently. Um, <laughs> oh, geez. You are writing posts after Clockwise about the things that you talk about on Clockwise. And I think it's really interesting. Really I, I you're know. talking to people, and I know what you're saying, Mike. What are you talking about? You're getting like you're talking to interesting people, and
1: they spark off a thought in you, and mm-hmm. you write really great posts.
0: You should be connecting I, these together, Jason.
1: Embracing the the. the um you know what John Syracuse always says is that is that podcasts are sort of like the first draft of, of something you're writing, and he laments the fact that he then never writes the thing almost ever yeah. that, that he's thought of, but I, I agree with that. I, I Sometimes we talk about things that I've already written on this show. Other times we're talking about things that I'm working on or thinking about, and it helps clarify my thought process, and that that's true on Clockwise as well. Sometimes I'll be working on something, and I'll bring a topic in, and other times it'll emerge from the conversation, and uh, with the case of the styluses, it was a little bit of the latter, but uh, yeah, so that that definitely happens. That there's a there's a um, there's a there's a creative process involving talking about it and then and then writing about it or writing about it and then talking about it. It definitely goes together.
0: I just think it, it's just it's an interesting uh, it's an interesting
1: thing that I see, uh,
0: but I like it though because I listen to the show and then read your site and then I can
1: see the two things going hand mm. in hand. That's right. Well, you know, my my output is best observed as a whole. <laughs> Listen to all the podcasts, read everything I I write, (laughs) and then uh, it'll all make sense. It's a fabulous tapestry. So the idea about this is that there are rumors abound, and
0: apparently they're from reliable uh, supply chain sources, uh, that there is going to be an iPad stylus of some description. We don't really know much about it. Like, we don't know um, whether it's going to be, oh, I don't know attached to a specific type of iPad which is larger or whether it's going to work with all iPads in some way or they're going to redo all of the iPad line to include styluses. Like We don't know that kind of detail yet, I don't think, or at least we don't know it reliably. But but the idea is that there is going to be a an iPad which has a stylus which can be used upon it. And of course there are significant changes that would need to happen to the iPad to make it as reliable as, say, a Surface 3. Um, with with its stylus, because there's there's a lot about uh, pixel precision or a different type of touchscreen, um, which would need to be thought about. But so basically, if we just presume, like we have with the MacBook Air stuff, if we just presume that all things are simple and and it's all doable, Jason,
1: do you think that Apple would likely do this, and why would they do it? Likely is a is a strong word. I I um as I wrote in my post, I'm not a big fan of of the stylus just because I'm not a big fan of pens in general. Sorry, Mike. I it's I don't really fine. I don't really like writing. I my 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 uh, my signature has degraded over time. My handwriting ability has degraded over time. I type really fast. I really prefer that. Um, if I had to choose between writing on a piece of paper and and uh, and writing on a typing on an iPad or even maybe typing on an iPhone, I would probably choose the device over the paper. But uh, that's because I have terrible handwriting and I'm just I don't like it, and so I'm not even motivated to make it good because I I hate it. I for Apple, so I'm coming at this. I mean, this is why I wrote. Uh, my call, My piece was called Typed Thoughts About Styluses. <laughs> it's like I'm not even writing, just I type things. Um, I think Apple might do it, um, two reasons. One is the classic Apple reason, which is other people are out there making money off of this. Maybe we could do it. And because we control the platform and the, and the hardware and the software, what we could do, we have access to the system at a level that no one else's pen has. So there is that, which is they might say, you know, all these pens are, it turns out people want them. Some people want them because there are all these styluses out there now, but they're really not that good because they're not integrated at 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 a, at a lower level. And why is that Apple? It's because Apple hasn't bothered to do that. But still, you could use that as an argument and say, but now there's the Apple pen and, you know, Apple stylus. And it is magical because it's got all this hardware and software and la la la. That makes sense to me. Apple has done that in the past. I always ascribe that to, to Steve Jobs. I, that always felt like, one of Steve Jobs' strategies was find where people are making money off of your products and trump them if you can, because you keep that money for yourself. And he really did feel that way. He did, I think he was actually offended that other people made money off of uh, his great works and felt that they were all just kind of parasites. Um, I, I, I mean, I know he felt that way about Macworld, so I assume he felt that way about, uh, you know, this Bose SoundDock when they did the uh, Apple or the iPod Hi-Fi and et cetera, et cetera. So I think that's one reason. Um, I think the other reason is that they legitimately think that there are some markets out there that could really use a pen that they've heard from, I don't know where, from hospitals, from the enterprise, from IBM talking to their enterprise customers, from artists, right? Whether it's directly or whether they've looked at the competition and seen that like Surface has a much better story when it comes to this stuff. I think it's more likely that it's stuff like that um, than that it's... Oh, uh, the Galaxy Note has a pen, and we're envious of that. Although it is possible that their customers for the iPhone Six Plus in Asia have said we would really like it if we had a a, a stylus. Uh, I suppose that's possible. I, I think that wouldn't that that sounds weird to me, but it, that's a market that's very different, and the usage is very different there. So you know, Serenity Caldwell, who I used to work with, she's now at iMore. She's she she likes to draw. She's an artist. She tested every stylus that ever was released and uh, continues to use them. She wrote a nice piece on iMore about this too. And for somebody like Serenity, you know, the potential there is really great because right now all the pen stuff is sort of like they have to write the the pen makers have to write their own like software package and, and, and get apps to support it. It's all kind of backward where it's a pressure sensitive pen because the tablet, Screen itself is not pressure sensitive, so they have to they have to make the the pens pressure sensitive and Bluetooth, and then relay that. Um, the the level of, of detail in the digitizer is made for fingertips and not really tiny pen sizes, and so um, that's a place where even if you've got a really nice pen, there's a limit to what you can do because of the digitizer. So there's, you know, the fact is, at the iPad iPad especially has been poor at pen support. Since the beginning, and Apple has made no efforts to make it better, so I'm not quite sure what is the motivator here, but it may be if this report is true that something has tripped somebody at Apple, whether it's the existence of a bigger iPad or it's looking at competitors or it's hearing from customers and say, and made them say, "Oh, okay, well, we can do that, and when we do that it'll it'll be better than all the all the rest because it'll be integrated. Um, with what we're doing because we control the hardware and the software it's very Apple
0: so the way that I look at it and you you kind of spoke about this a bit but it seems like quite a simple thing to me with if you are looking at creating an iPad or advancing the iPad and you want to have people work on it you want to have people use them in professional environments everything that you can tell them that it has is another good thing that it does. So even if you think that somebody won't use, like a doctor won't actually use or need a stylus, if you have one and it's good and you tell them that it's there, they're more likely to buy it than they're going to buy the competition. every, Every feature that people think that they need, whether they need it or not, if they think they need it, and then Microsoft's doing it. That's a potential sale that you lose to Microsoft. And if that sale is that you've lost that to the CTO of a large company, well, then you're out of luck, boy. You know, that, that's kind of it. You're done then. You, you've missed that. And and if Apple really want to make the iPad the future of computing, which I'm I'm sure that they do, right? I'm, I'm sure that's what they want because yeah. they're the leader in this space. Mm-hmm. If they can continue that, they are now Microsoft of the 90s, right? And I'm sure that there's an element of wanting to to be the complete dominant force in the future of computing, right? Why would they not want to do that? That's kind of why they exist um, to, to a point. Is that wrong to say? Like they want, like they're a big company. They want to be the best, right?
1: Yeah, I, I think that's true. The question is, when is it worth it? So I'm sure that if anybody at Apple has talked to, and I'm sure they have, has talked to artists has gone to Comic-Con and talked to people who who do uh art on iPads they've heard these stories right they've heard if they, if they read the um that penny arcade piece that i linked to in my piece about how the guy from penny arcade y- uses uh surface and he was fr- really frustrated with the surface 3 because the surface pro 2 was had a better digitizer than the than the 3 and and the 3 had some software problems but in the end he loved that because he could use photoshop which is what he worked in anyway and he had this uh wacom quality uh, digitizer and pen with pen support. And so for him, the surface pro was the perfect product to, to, uh, to draw on. And if I'm Apple, you know, and I'm in charge of the iPad or I'm in charge of, you know, reaching a certain market like that, then yeah, that, that really bugs me. The fact that, that all these artists are saying, Nope, you know, can't use the iPad. It's not good enough. We try, we use it because we think it's cool, but in the end, it's just so frustrating and there are better options. Um, that, they probably know all of that, and they've known that for years. The question is, again, when is it worth it to do something about it? And maybe the answer is the existence of something like the iPad Pro, which they want to sell, and they think that artists are up a potential big target market for that product. And it's, you know, it's like the iPhone 6 Plus. It's, it doesn't need to be the definitive iPad. Um, it's it's a, a side iPad for a specific uh, kind of smaller user base. Um, and maybe that's one of the real use cases is, oh, okay, here's one way to differentiate the iPad Pro is, or Plus or whatever it is, is the pen stuff and a really great digitizer. And maybe that's the thing that finally gets them to move and say, okay, fine, we'll support artists now. Even though they knew it all along, because again, do you ship a better digitizer in every single iPad when one in fifty people would take advantage of it? That, this is like the battery discussion, right? When is it enough to build that into every single model because some small group wants it?
0: So I think that the answer of that is like, it, it, for me, is like, is twofold: uh, is it easy to do? I don't know, maybe. Maybe with the current technology, like it's not that much more difficult. And the other point is, will you get some other functionality because of it that you can use now or down the line? Like, will increasing the digitizer in the iPad allow you to do something else? And if the answer is yes, then it might be an easier, an easier thing to say, here's your stylus. Like, I've been thinking recently about Siri quite a bit. And trying to think about, like, when Siri started, we had it on the phone. And now, as we're moving down this this road, we're seeing it pop up in places. So Siri's going to be one of the ways, probably the main way, that you interact with the Apple Watch, right? If you want to give it any sort of input, Siri's going to be the way that you do that. So, like, I was thinking to myself, oh, well... What, did they create Siri knowing that we would use it in this way in the future and they needed it to get better or they needed it us to get used to it I mean who knows maybe so it just makes me think like with something like this is there another reason that you may give all that you need to give for stylus support because later it enables you to do something else
1: hmm.
0: I, don't I don't know, know. There's one thing I wanted to bring up about this, because obviously, the the joke, if you don't know, the joke why this is funny on this show is because I am the host of a show on FM called The Pen Addict. I've been doing this show for years. It's You haven't kicked
1: all those years and you haven't
0: kicked your addiction, Mike. Never. So we've been doing the show for like three years. Basically, every network I've been a part of, The Pen Addict, has just come along for the journey. Um, And... It, the thing is just because i love because I love pens, I love pens i love i I love using pens, I love loving pens on paper and, and and I like to take notes, I take notes on pen and paper when we're recording the shows, that kind of thing, but just because i yes thank you he's clicking clicking me. uh just because I like pens doesn't mean that I would like a stylus mm. because everything I like about pens has nothing to do with writing with producing. Written something so huh. it's it's not that at the end of the day, I have something that's got my handwriting on it. it's the feeling of the pen, it's the design of the pen, it's the ink that goes in the pen, it's the way the pen feels in the paper, um the weight of the pen that there are just all of these other things, all of the design things, all of the choices that you make, all of the choices that you make to find a pen that represents you in a certain way, and all of that is one hundred percent not there with a stylus. Because ultimately what you're doing is writing with a specific point on glass. Like there's not all of the nice stuff is not there for me.
1: Right. But isn't that a little bit like saying I like uh, I like to read paper books because, oh, the feel of the paper and the smell of the paper. 100 percent. 100 percent what it is. It's yeah. experiential and and, in the end, digital technology may take all needs for holding an implement and creating content to be digital um uh, but the 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 point is that you're not a fan of pen input; you're a fan of the experience of writing with a pen, which is not the same,
0: yeah, exactly.
1: It's like if you're a fan of typewriters. <laughs> You would be, you know, I I like a typewriter. Yeah, I can type on a computer, but I I'm a fan of a typewriter because I like to to have it be all clackety clacky and all, of the, you know, and that 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 would be about the experience, um, not about the output. Which I I, I get it, I get it. Yeah, th- just because
0: you like typewriters doesn't mean you're gonna like um Tom Hanks's typewriter app. Right. Oh
1: yeah, you probably hate it actually. <laughs> yeah, it's
0: probably the worst possible thing you could imagine.
1: Right. Right. Well, it'll be. I, I had a back and forth with a guy who is a little bit feisty on Twitter about uh, pen stuff, um, and he said he is a um, uh, in higher ed and said that uh, basically iPads are totally uh, not acceptable for note taking, and that the Surface is. And he was talking about using pen input to do like essentially your your lecture notes, mm-hmm. and I just don't believe that's. I, I don't. Maybe, maybe I am being an old fogey here, but I don't – and I also hate pens, and I hate paper. Um, I don't think that using a tablet computer to write down notes as if it was a piece of paper is a good use of anybody's time. Like, I agree with you. I I can get it. Oh, all right. Disagreement. Yeah. Um, I just I, I see that, and I think I think it seems really impractical. Like unless you are adding something to it. I can see the value of like if it's recording the lecture while you're writing, and you can you can point at the thing you wrote and play back the 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 sound that was in the room when you wrote it, so you can confirm your notes and all of that. But I just at some point I feel like you're just replicating paper on this device, and that's not good enough. You should you should there should be better experiences than that. You you should not note taking on a on a tablet should not be digital paper with digital ink. It should be something else because if. If it's just digital paper and digital ink, just get a notepad and some and a pen, please. Right? You need to do something more than that. And I worry that some of the stylus stuff. I mean, that's that's always in the early days of the tablet computers. That's exactly what Microsoft always talked about was that sort of approach. And I, I it's dumb. That's that. You need to you need to add to the experience and and. I'm not a a a longhand writing person so I would be happy to have an iPad in my lap in the classroom or a keyboard and taking notes that way but I can understand that some other people might might prefer to do it a different way.
0: So with that like handwriting allows for a more free form style of note taking and there are certain people myself included who think in it better in this way rather than just taking notes in like a bullet point list of what's happening you can draw things and you can draw bubbles and you can highlight and you can scribble around this part and draw a little key anime like let's so say you got little keys so you remember what part's here and so there there are wow. definite benefits that if you think that way that that handwriting notes can can make sense i i understand to a point where you're saying there has to be something more but sometimes just the pure idea of i can take notes in the way that i want and I won't ever lose them because they're backed up to the cloud is enough. Because at the moment you've got a paper notebook which is destructible by a zillion different ways. Right. Um and even though of course a tablet is destructible, if it's connected to the internet, your notes are safe forever. They are then like you can use ICR scanning on them for searching, you can use something like
1: Evernote. <laughs> <Nope>. uh, <but laughs> you gotta have really good handwriting for that. Uh, yeah, well,
0: yeah, of course, of course. I don't know. It depends how. I don't know how good this, this, the the OCR software needs to yeah. be to get different people. But but then there are more things that you could do. Like for example, then if they're digital, you can move them around and reorganize them and stuff like that. So there are there are basics for why it's good. But I agree with you that it can't. I don't think it's compelling enough for most people to just say that's that. You know, oh, that's all you're gonna. That's all it's gonna be. It's just you can take paper notes but on a on a glass screen instead.
1: Yeah, I can see that. I mean, when I take notes, I don't I, I don't take it in a on paper. When I was in college, I, I didn't take it in a really super linear way or like with an outliner. I was definitely I would write down key phrases and circle them and draw arrows and sorts of things like that, but I I I I would never recommend anybody do my style of note-taking in college because it was it, indecipherable. <laughs> Even if you could read my terrible handwriting, it wouldn't make any sense because I was just not, uh, I think I, I was not a big, I was a big picture note taker, not a, not a detailed note taker most of the time. But I can see that. It's interesting. I just, uh, yeah, I, I, I have some skepticism that, um, that when somebody says, oh, well, in higher ed, what what students really want is the ability to sit there with a, with a, a tablet and a pen and take notes. I I I'm going to profess some skepticism to that. I'm not sure that that that, that just it, it feels a little one to one from the old tech to the new tech to me. And maybe the answer is no, no. It's not. It's it's recognizing your handwriting as you write it, and that's being indexed as as searchable text. And uh, you know, and all these other fantastic things are happening. Uh, maybe maybe, and maybe it's just that I I look at that and think I just bring a 11 inch air and type instead. But we'll see. Um. It's it'll be interesting to see what the story is if this if Apple really does go down the stylus route. Thanks for disagreeing with me. Anytime. Mr. Pen Addict. Quite literally, any time. Yeah, I hope you you got ink in your veins. That's dangerous. You should have somebody look at that. You know the worst. You, you know you're an addict when uh, when you do a Kickstarter uh, to talk about pens.
0: Yes, that's uh, that is which a, you did. Put that yeah. link
1: in the show notes. I will. Because congratulations, Mike! You are headed to Atlanta. It seems like it. it, y- it.
0: Yes, basically, my co and I, Brad, we have never met in person, <laughs> and there is a pen show in Atlanta, which is a trade show. But um, so we're looking to get together and record a show in person. As
1: I'm going to be at the Atlanta Pen Show. I was thinking it would be like uh, was more like a gladi- gladiatorial duel kind of show, where like two pens enter, one pen leaves. There's just like pools of ink everywhere. But it's actually just a trade show. Yes, so that's it's a trade show. All right. That's less exciting, but fine. Should we talk about some more friends? Please. Jason, we have a new friend today. A new friend? A new friend. All right. Let me tell you about our new friend. It's Casper. I've talked about them before on other podcasts, but it's nice to talk about Casper here. Casper, you may have heard of them. Uh, Casper is an online retailer of premium mattresses for a fraction of the price of where you could get a premium mattress Elsewhere. Uh, These are some tech people who figured that they could do a better job. Making a mattress and selling it and uh, selling it to you on the internet, shrink wrapping it and se- sending it to you in a box, and then you open it up and it just kind of expands open it in the room that you 're going to use it because it expands to fill the space. I tried this, the box came to my house, we brought it into the bedroom, opened it up, and for the last couple of months i've been sleeping on a casper mattress it's got two different technologies it 's got latex foam and memory foam. Uh, casper likes to say it 's just the right sink and just the right bounce i I found uh, sitting on the Casper mattress, I had this moment where I realized that the mattress we had before was kind of bouncy. It was like a trampoline kind of thing, where like the cat would be sitting on the bed and you'd sit down and the cat would jump off because <laughs> it would be. And now it's not like that. It's a, it's a really comfortable mattress. It, it, I was worried that the foam stuff was going to be weird. It's not. It's super comfortable. I'm um, really, yeah, really, they they say for better nights and brighter days. I got to say, it, it is a really comfortable mattress. Um, they, they, What's great about it, too, if you're, if you're weirded out by the idea of trying a mattress, is they have a risk-free trial. So you don't have this fear that if you don't like it, you're stuck with it for who knows how long regardless, which is usually what it's like with regular mattresses. You can sleep on a Casper for 100 days, free delivery and painless returns. So if you don't like it, you can send it back. The mattresses are made in America. And the prices compared to industry averages are outstanding. It's $500 for a twin, up to $950 for a king. So, uh, you know, I think it's worth checking it out. You can buy it on the internet. I know a lot of our listeners enjoy buying things on the internet and not venturing out and dealing with people in stores, especially mattress stores. There are the worst so here's what you need to do you can get fifty dollars toward any mattress purchase what you need to do is go to casper.com that's if you like www you can stick that in there too casper.com slash upgrade and use promo code upgrade to get the 50 dollar discount you should definitely check it out 100 day free trial so you can return it if you need to risk free and uh you may really like it because i really like it and i'm glad that we have a Casper mattress. So thank you to our friends at Casper. They help me sleep soundly at night with their neat mattress that I now have. But open it in the room that you're, uh, seriously, because it's super shrink-wrapped into a little thing, and then when you open it up, it just (laughs) kind of comes out and goes to full size. Thanks, Casper. Seems like a different kind of magic. That does. Yeah. Yeah, it's I, I bought a, a beanbag chair uh the other the other month and uh it was the same thing. It came in this tiny box. I'm like, really? They said this would be a big beanbag chair, and then you open up the the uh the super vacuum wrap and it just it's like, oh my god, it's gonna take over the whole house. Uh but it's pretty that's that's shipping magic because they uh, they compact it as much as they can until it gets to the destination.
0: So there you go. Fifty dollars off. Use the code yep.
1: upgrade. Thank you so much. Thanks, Casper. I uh I uh spent a lot of time this weekend with vi- with videotapes, Mike. <laughs> Welcome to the 1990s cast. Nin- 19 uh, Well, some of these tapes were from the 80s. Wow. I know. I know. I heard yeah. about those 80s, you know. They were they were uh, a scene, man. They were crazy. <laughs> yeah, I I have had for a long time. Um I ca- I saved a VCR. I saved my old camcorder which I can use to do an analog to digital conversion. It's got a firewire port on it. And um and I saved a bunch of these old videotapes that I had never converted to digital. And so I just wrote this up on six colors. I I um I decided they were they were all sitting like nearby and I I a couple of them I had brought out for some other project and I I looked and thought, "Huh, maybe I should give that a try now. See if I can get that working." Um that was hilarious because I had to uh, to get the input into my computer, I had to find, which I still had, still had, the iLink to FireWire 400 cable. iLink was like mini FireWire 400. Sony used it on their camcorder. So you had to get a special cable because it was FireWire, but it was a weird port, little port. So I had, I had to get that. Okay, so now I've got iLink in the camera and I've got a FireWire 400 cable on the other end so then i need to find my firewire 400 to 800 converter which i found then it's time for the thunderbolt to firewire 800 converter and then you plug that into the computer and it actually worked i was able to get um get uh, the output from my VCR to display on uh, iMovie and Final Cut, the current versions, but they wouldn't record the audio or the video. They, they seem to be thinking like, I'm going to download, uh, I don't know, a file from this camera. Um, and the, 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 it didn't work. It didn't. I don't know it, if they could think. <laughs> they, I, I, they, they, they were, what? well, they saw the, the thing is they saw the video. So it was, it was streaming <laughs> through, but they, they, there was no ability to record it. So I went, I, I downloaded, or actually I still had it on my system. iMovie nine. And iMovie nine would grab it in these DV file format, which is the most inefficient video file format ever. There are these enormous files for standard definition video, um, but it worked. And uh, so I I, uh, I found a tape that had an appearance that I made on Call for Help, the ZDTV uh, show with Leo Laporte from nineteen ninety nine, where I showed people how to do print preview in the new version of Internet Explorer for Mac for OS nine. Woohoo! Or OS eight maybe it might have been a late eight and not even nine yet, um yeah good times and uh, I found a like a concert that I had I was actually the director I, I it was a rock concert with students and teachers in my high school my uh, I think like junior sophomore junior year in high school. And uh, I found that, and I posted that on my Facebook page to all the people who are in it, who are all friends of friends on Facebook, if not direct friends. And that was a, that was really fun. But a twenty year old videotape, thirty year old videotape, they're kind of dirty and they're falling apart. And I had to, I actually had to unscrew the 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 uh, VCR top and pop it off so that I could just every so often it would just tangle and VHS, an incredibly inefficient, weird format where it's got to like suck the tape in, um, it, it flips open the little thing and sucks the tape in. And it's just so easy for that to go wrong. And it did frequently. I had to get like isopropyl alcohol and some paper to use as like swabs, um, pieces of paper to clean the, the, the heads on the VCR. So I ended up with just like the VCR completely open to the world. And would occasionally have to eject the tape and clean the heads and wind the tape back or untangle it because it got tangled all around. I had a pretty, real
0: joy reading this because it, 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 it was pretty crazy. Crazy.
1: It, it, it was. It was pretty. It was pretty insane. But in the end, you know those people on Facebook who probably only vaguely remember that they did this student-teacher rock concert in 1987. Um, And then there was two songs and the intro intro for the whole band. So, you know, they're all on there being introduced by one of the teachers who was was, uh, the lead singer for that band. Um, And, you know, they all got to see it on Facebook. And that was actually pretty cool. And I posted the Leo Laporte thing. um, And I've got a whole tape of Tech TV that I, um, at some point, will have to pull off too because that was hilarious. Just... You know, hey, IE 4.5 for Mac is new. Let me tell you about print preview. Uh, me at 29 years old or whatever, 28 years old. Yeah,
0: I'm pretty sure I could talk to you for about an hour about that 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 10 minute clip or whatever of you and Leo. Maybe like, we, maybe we should do that in a future
1: episode. That might be. Uh, you know, what we should do. <laughs> we should. We, we should just break it. it down. Well, we should do riff tracks. It could be a connected <laughs> episode. Just to, just break it down like bit for bit. What troubleshooting was like in the '90s? When's the next anniversary of that? We'll, we'll make sure we cover that video. <laughs> oh, you know, sadly, we just we just missed an anniversary for that. Well, you know, we got we got just a whole year. Fifteenth 15th, 15th anniversary of it. So <laughs> I'll I'll pull some other uh, other stuff off of there at some point. But uh, it's funny when you're when when you've got nothing to lose, it becomes a lot easier to do some of this stuff. Like I'm not really worried about breaking my VCR. <laughs> Or these tapes. It's like either I can get them to work or I can't. So flipping the top off and like making my own improvised head cleaner with a piece of paper and some alcohol. It's fine. I, I it's like I just don't care. It's like it's not like uh, anybody in my family is going to be angry because I broke the VCR, right? I mean, nobody cares. So you know, and it worked. So that's that. It's pretty pretty funny. The the other thing I learned by the way is that I, I saved all these um like David Letterman shows from the 80s that were like favorite moments and I always thought, well, I'll record those at some point digitally so I've got those to to save these favorite moments. And I was um I, as I was looking at the tape and saying, "Oh, that's this episode." I would I would do a Google search for the the show and the names of the guests because there's like a a comprehensive like index of all of the David Letterman shows. And so it would say, "Oh, that's May 20th, 1986." Uh, you know, and say, "All right, that's that's cool." Um, but what I discovered is that when I searched for that, I would also find YouTube clips of the whole show. So what I what I discovered is a lot of these moments that I saved on a videotape for thirty years, figuring, uh, you know, I want to keep that around. I waited so long that somebody else who was a much more obsessive saver and taper and archiver and whatever than I was, by far, um, that person was also. Uh, way ahead of me in uploading that stuff to the internet. So, you know, most of the stuff, I, d- I didn't need to actually bring it in. I just needed to find it on the internet because it's almost all on, it's kind of crazy. Like, I- I'm sure not every episode of Late Night with David Letterman from the 80s is on the internet, but the the two that I was looking for, I found immediately. <laughs> so the entire episode. So that's pretty crazy. So, you know, the internet's a big, weird, weird 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 weird
0: weird place uh, one of the interesting things when looking at this and, and i've thought of this before i pretty much just assume now that if i have thought of of something i want to find a clip of something yeah it's going to be on youtube because somebody else will have already done that
1: Yeah, if it's something really popular um it may not for copyright reasons like it's hard to find simpsons clips on youtube Right, Because they, they, they find those and take those down. But, you know, Late Night with David Letterman episode from May of 1986, not such a problem. <laughs> Nobody is looking for that. NBC isn't out there shutting down that stuff. And that's great because I watched an entire episode of that show from 1986 this weekend on YouTube, on my TV. And that was a lot of fun to, to go back to that point. And I'm feeling a little nostalgic because that was my favorite. That was, you know, in some ways the... Defining um, comedy for me of, of my life was in high school. I watched David Letterman's show every night, and you know, my sense of humor developed. Because of that and I think if you look if you talk to people in the entertainment industry I mean it's such a, he's such an influential figure for people who do comedy and in TV and and even like stand-up comedy today um, just a huge influence and so to, to, to he's retiring and so uh, I've been a little nostalgic for that that's one of the reasons I wanted to pull out these videotapes and it turns out that you know I don't really have a lot to contribute to the YouTube conversation about the history of this show because like I said somebody's gotten there before me and they've done a much more comprehensive job job than I did. And so that's great. Cause I can just do searches and find this stuff and that's cool. So yeah, it's a big world and there's always somebody, there's always somebody more obsessed with something than you. You cannot win an effort war against the internet. I learned this, we're going to, I'm going to bring it all the way back around to Crowded House. Um, a friend of mine ran the uh, Crowded House mailing list, the internet fan mailing list, uh, like, e- you know, email mailing list. And, uh, he got to know the, the guy who did the Crowded House fan club. And he had uh my friend build a uh we built a a web a web page that was an archive for the mailing list and i help it, I helped him build it and um and the guy in the fan club was like, "Oh, that's really awesome. You guys are on the internet doing things about the band because it was early days of the internet and things weren't on the internet and then at some point, a super madly obsessed fan uh decided to build a comprehensive site about the band and everything connected to the band. And my friend Mark and I looked at each other and were like, "Okay, like we can stop now," because we were just we're like, "Hey, we're on the internet and we like this band and there's this mailing list, so we'll build a couple of pages." And then all of a sudden, oh my God, there is somebody who is just so far out of our league in terms of enthusiasm, and she just went to town with the you know with the fan site, and that was that was my first real moment of you can't win. Um, the effort war against a totally dedicated fan. And the, you there was, is always someone more dedicated than you on the internet. And so we were like, okay, we're not going to update this page anymore. Go over there. <laughs> She's got it. She's got it all and more. <laughs> um, and it was a funny moment. And I just, I, I relived that again with the guy who uploaded all the David Letterman episodes to YouTube. Crazy. But home movies and stuff—that stuff. I mean, that—that's what I'm looking for now in these tapes. Is stuff that li- like literally nobody else has. Um, it, it's possible. Is it possible that I have local Sacramento area TV commercials from the '80s that people would get a really kick out of seeing again? Yeah, probably. Am I going to be the person who puts those in the internet? Yeah, probably not. Um, but uh, but stuff like that concert where uh, there are some tapes out there. People on Facebook who said, "Yeah, I think I have that tape somewhere too." Um, but it's less likely that you know nobody's bothered to put it on the internet so far so maybe I should give it a, a whirl
0: talking about super fans this is this is something completely random but it was in my brain because of because of Kickstarter have you seen um the exploding kittens card game Kickstarter has that passed your eye at all no no um one of the people that's involved in the creation of this card game is the oatmeal so oh, yeah, yeah. huh. Uh it's a card game. It's a crazy card game. Uh, it's it's been going for six days, I think five or six days. It's up to three point nine million dollars at the moment. Wow! Within the first forty eight hours, it was one of the I think the top twenty of all time. Like it's insane because it does. I've backed it because it looks like a lot of fun. It looks like a silly card game. Um, like in the best possible way, right? That's what it's meant to be. It's meant to be a silly card game. It's called Exploding Kittens, but it's just that amount of money is is in, insane. Three point nine. It will it will probably make like five six million dollars. Yeah, maybe more. Maybe they're more. At f-
1: they're at four million with twenty four days to go. Yeah, it's incredible. Like
0: really, really incredible. It, you just see some things it's like where are these people coming from?
1: I hope they build a profit margin into their. Uh... <laughs> into their sales cuz they're going to be making an awful lot of cards. They're going to be making 100,000 plus sets of cards.
0: Yeah, Cards Against Humanity are doing the fulfillment. Ah. They that in their FAQ they kind of said the worst thing is when you have to wait. Like, you know, that we, when we really want to make our dates so we have Cards Against Humanity doing it for us because they can handle any amount. Hmm. So I, well, wonder, I wonder if they really can, but we'll see about that. Well, they're probably well, really, on the press. They're
1: probably on the press. Yeah, right now. the great thing about it being funded is that um, they can start doing a run now. They probably they started beforehand,
0: yeah. to be honest. Sure. Like because uh, you know if they're working with the cards people, they could probably have just always thought about putting it in retail anyway. Because I think I think the Cards Against Humanity people are becoming a bit of like a publisher as well now. Um, but yeah, just very. I I find things like that fascinating. Like, where are these people coming from? Like, where are they? Where where are they coming from to find this project? And then, anyway, but yeah, re- just really, really interesting. Cool. Anywho, um, shall we take a our last break for today's episode now? Would you like to do that, or would you what? like to talk about something else before that? What do well, you I've, do?
1: I've got I've got one item that I I could do really quickly, and then we can just have our last sponsor be sponsoring. Hashtag Ask Upgrade segment, which I like. I would like um, that. I, uh, I, I did a quick link uh, before that about uh, about YouTube. Maybe we'll push that one off until next week. Are you okay with that? Yeah, because I really want to talk about this, and I, and I
0: think we'll end up going too long on
1: it. Yeah, so we'll push that one off. We've already talked a lot about YouTube today. I wanted to mention something funny that happened. <laughs> I couldn't believe this when I saw it. <laughs> and I need to explain this because people, I think, are misinterpreting a little bit. Um It is fascinating to me. So uh, I got approached... Uh, Paul Thorat left the Windows super site to start his own site. And I got approached by the company that owns that site. And they were doing a whole shift with Paul leaving and they're bringing in a new editor and all of that. And they talked to me about a bunch of different stuff. And I said, I- I'm not really comfortable. It's not my area of expertise. And they're like, how about you write a column for us about Apple stuff? Because the people who are IT professionals have to deal with Apple stuff and they don't know a lot about it necessarily. Um, and I said, well, they're going to be mad at you because they're going to say, how dare you put Apple stuff on my Windows site? and they said that's fine we want to do this this is something that we think is going to be valuable and i said uh, all right <laughs> i'll i'll give it a go and so i wrote a piece i'm going to be until they until somebody stops me uh writing a weekly piece on the super site, which is formerly Paul Thorat's site about Apple stuff for an audience of basically Windows IT professionals. So that's going to be interesting. Um, And the reaction I told, I mean, I knew what the reaction was going to be. It's actually kind of delightful to not be the editor in charge of the site that's getting the angry reaction because I've been that person. And I know that they're like, I can't believe you're doing this. And why are we? Why do we have to read about this? Um, and and so it's kind of nice to just be the writer because I can just focus on what I'm going to focus on. And you know, I I'm not really interested. There are a lot of people who are like, it's exactly what would happen if MacWorld did a did a whole column about Windows, which I think maybe we did at some point. And people are like, ah, this is outrageous. Why why are you doing this? Um, And so, you know, my my goal with that is to bridge the gap. I mean, my, my goal is literally like the premise is IT people have to support Apple stuff now you know, in almost every environment, they're at least supporting iPhones and they may be supporting iPads and they may be supporting Macs and they don't always know a whole lot about them because they are not Mac people. And if I can bring some perspective about what Apple's doing in general and in businesses as somebody who used a Mac in a business that was very Windows focused for a long time because IDG was always a very Windows focused company um, in terms of the technology, um, if I can bring some of that kind of Apple knowledge to not to convert anybody, I I don't even want to play the tribalism games and people who are angriest about it are very tribalistic. They're like, I can't believe there's Apple things here. Oh, I hate Apple. It's like, okay, whatever. I've, 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 I've met that IT person who hates Apple and doesn't know why we would use these terrible things that Apple makes when they could, we could use amazing things that people, companies that are not Apple make. Um, but my goal is that is to bring is to bring my perspective to a site that is read by people who don't have it and not to convert them but to arm them with knowledge and information about this thing that they probably need to know more about to be well-rounded professionals um and, you know, if it works, then then great. I'm looking forward to giving it a try. It's a little outside my comfort zone, but um, the Apple, you know, the Apple subject is not. But the catering to a more businessy and more IT audience is a little different for me. Um, And I'm going to give it a go. And at some point, if the editors of the site say, look, it's not working, uh, they don't want to read it. We don't want to pay you. Then so be it. But uh, <laughs> this is it's a terrible a, mistake. It, it's let you a, hear in the first place. <laughs> then then they will, then I will stop writing it and they will stop paying me for it. But uh, as it is, it's yeah, it's a it's a uh, you know a weekly freelance thing. I have a, I received a couple of tweets that are like, I can't believe they hired Jason to work. No, no, they did not hire me. They are they are paying me to write them a column once a week and. That's a, I had one person say, "What does this mean for six colors?" And the answer is, there's a reason that I'm paying Dan Morin to do six colors on Thursdays, and maybe you know, maybe more more time at some point is so that I can do freelance work because. Um, uh, I, I, and I'm doing, this is the first, I think, freelance work that's been really visible, but I got, I, I've got a lot of other freelance stuff going on that will hit. I've got a story for the wire cutter that should be going up later this month. I did write that story for, for Sweet Setup. Um, and I, you know, I'm talking to people about some other stuff too. So, um, it seemed like a fun challenge. They really wanted to work with me. Um, and, uh, you know, again, if I'm just kind of, I'm just kind of over the The comments are are going to be full of angry commenters because they're comments on the internet. But uh, I'm hoping that uh, uh, I can provide something that that audience or at least some chunk of that audience finds useful. Because that's, you know, again, I'm kind of over the whole... The whole tribalism uh, wars between platforms kind of thing, um, and if people want to get angry about that, then you know they're welcome to. But I'm not. I'm not going to get angry about it. I think good. I think good IT professionals should be well armed with knowledge about this Apple stuff, and a lot of them didn't spend a lot of time thinking about it, and now they're forced to support it. And if I can interpret what Apple is doing and what Mac and iOS users want to them, so that they're better able to understand what those people want, then I think that's good for them. And that that's sort of my what well, my goal is. You, you you can appreciate the craziness of it though, right? On the on the
0: surface of it, how crazy it does seem. Oh sure. Like the Macworld guy, you know? You're like you're like yeah. the Bill Gates in the Steve Jobs scenario, you know? You're like staring down on Win Super and be like, yeah. I
1: am the Mac guy.
0: It's well, cool though.
1: The- the bigger issue is that, you know, Paul, the founder of the site, left. And, you know, I, if I were a, a loyal reader of that site, I'd be like, what are they doing? What's going on? They're ruining everything here. Yeah, But, you know, yeah, change yeah. is hard. Change is hard. I mean, it was that yeah, was true at, at Macworld. That was certainly true when we were doing things uh, with PC World That the, and the audience was angry. You know, Macworld's audience was angry that we covered iOS. <laughs> I mean, people get angry about all sorts of stuff. This would never change. have happened if Thorat was still alive. <laughs> yeah. You know? uh, one of my favorite
0: things about Six Colors is, like, from day one, you've had other people writing on the site.
1: I just like that yeah. because it is you, but you have other people. I mean, well, I took I took a page from from Federico and I I put Jason Snell and friends at the top. Yeah,
0: it's nice. I I like it a lot. I, it does. It is still difficult sometimes because I think you're writing everything, so I have to check. But I, there's just nothing you can do about that, really. It's the same problem that the loop has had forever. No matter who writes
1: it, everybody initially thinks it's Jim. Yeah. I, I put a byline and a bio on all of Dan's pieces now yep. because people keep asking me things about Dan's pieces. That's <laughs> fine. It's, you know, it, it happens. But it has been there since the beginning. You could um, take that as a compliment to both of you, though, because... Yeah, and and Glenn wrote something on, that I posted on Friday, Glenn Fleischman. So, you know, and I had, I've had a few other people on there. Dan Frakes wrote something and Steve Aquino wrote something and... You know, I'm not I'm not at the point now where Six Colors is a site with a ba- with a staff or anything. It's still really me and 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 Dan one day a week. Um, and uh, yeah, we'll see where it goes. I, I would love to get to the point where Dan could do even more, and it it would become like a little a little staff. The as we record this, it's Monday. The Apple uh, financial results are tomorrow. Dan and I will be cranking up the live blog. Oh, uh, you going to do the live tweet. For that, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I loved so, that last time. That was so yeah. much fun. Yeah. So I'd like to get to the point where where um I would love it if if Six Colors had a little bit of a staff and it wasn't just me um and Dan on Thursdays. And uh we'll see. What's
0: the uh, Twitter account for the for the live? I'll put it in the show notes. Uh
1: I think the live oh, let's see. It Is- it's something weird because I don't have Six Colors on Twitter. It's um it's Six Colors Event s i x colors event Cool. So uh, but you we'll also that. we'll also embed that tweet yeah. stream on the on the site
0: very cool very cool I liked that last time that was that was a lot of fun you two uh a good pairing for that kind of thing so um yeah, let's let's talk about MailRoute and because uh, MailRoute Mail are bringing <laughs> uh, bringing you all of your Ask Upgrade this yes. week. All of the Ask Upgrade that you could ask for is being brought to you by MailRoute.
1: Yes, and thank you to MailRoute. Um, I, I I've talked about them before. I have MailRoute on my uh, domain, and it is uh, the way it works is it is sitting between my mail server and the internet and mail routes dedicated servers are scanning all inbound mail for spam for viruses for bounced mail and that stuff just doesn't get through so so my mail server never gets that junk that junk never even reaches the server let alone my client so you open your you open your mail and this is what i do and my inbox is clear and and even my spam folder is pretty much clear because the spam has been uh, incarcerated at MailRoute's servers. Um, the light is green. The trap is clean. That's a Ghostbusters reference. Mike, have you seen Ghostbusters? Of course I've seen Ghostbusters. Okay. Thank goodness. Well, The Princess Bride, for Pete's sake. See it. That's your assignment. That's your homework. See The okay. Princess Bride. Okay. Um, so- so the spam is gone. And because it is happening in the cloud, I don't need to install any special software or hardware. It all just happens before it even reaches me. Um, So it was super easy to set up. I can manage it for all of the users in my domain um, and uh, everybody gets their own, Thing that they can tweak. There is an op- an optional re- spam report that can be sent to you that lists everything that uh, that has been stopped and hasn't reached you. That can make for some really amusing reading. Sometimes I just like to read the subject lines because it's hilarious to see what spammers are trying to do to get past the front door and failing. And if I do see something that's legit in there, it's one click and it's delivered and that person is whitelisted. So it's super easy to do. Um, if you're a, an email administrator or IT professional, they are thinking of you. This is this service is used at large universities and corporations as well. They built tools with you in mind. Uh, there's an API for account management, LDAP support, Active Directory support, TLS, mailbagging, a bell nice and outbound relay everything you want if you are uh, an email admin or an IT pro and so here's what you do remove spam from your life for good by going to mailroute.net slash upgrade you'll get a free trial and 10% off for the lifetime of your account so thank you very much to our friends at mailroute for sponsoring the show and for filtering the spam out of my mail
0: I'm scared that I'm upping the game with the mailbagging And eventually, like, I'm going to have to bring in like a brass band. Like, if I start here, if I start here, like, where do I end up going?
1: Yeah. Well, you're down that path now. It's too late for you. Mm -hmm. Good luck. (laughs) Uh, Hashtag AskUpgrade, brought to you by MailRoute. Here we go. You know, that guy, the guy who has the Twitter account that just complains about sponsors on podcasts, actually said something nice about the fact that we have verticals that are sponsored. Yeah, I don't That's want to talk about that. I really don't want to talk about that. <laughs> I don't want to get into that again. Brought to you by MailRoute. Listener uh, Timokas, I, I, I don't know, I think that may be a Twitter name, says, if you take the computer guts from a MacBook and put it into a small box, could Apple make a Mac Nano? Mac, Mac. what was it, Mac X?
0: What was that? X Mac. There it is. My brain. My brain found it. Do you remember that?
1: Yeah, but that that's the that's the mythical mid-range Mac Mini tower. Lots of M's. Um, but in th- uh, in theory, that's
0: what this would probably be, right? No, I
1: think I think he I think Timicus is uh, <laughs> thinking of a Mac Mini that's even smaller. Like, how small could you make the Mac Mini if you took like a MacBook Air uh, circuit board? Although the Mac Mini pretty much is that. I mean, the Mac Mini is pretty close. How much smaller could the Mac mini be really? Um, and Apple seems to not be interested in making computers that you can open
0: <laughs>
1: ever, ever yeah. again. Uh, but I think the Mac mini could get smaller. I think there, there are some, there's some heat issues and all of that. And I don't know what they're doing with the Mac mini, but that is essentially what the Mac mini is, is it, it's a laptop uh, that's just uh, inside that little aluminum shell. It's an interesting idea. How small? Again, how small does a Mac Mini need to be? Does it really matter how small it is? And yet, um, I don't think though that the 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 case there is the physical size.
0: It's the cost uh, uh-huh. barrier. So the Mac Mini now is is we've been through this is very underpowered. Yes, um, yes, it's the, gotten cheaper. The Mac Pro is for most people way overpowered. But it's also way overpriced. It's massively, not overpriced, it's just way highly priced. It's very expensive. Yes. And you have to have a real reason for that. But if you want a desktop Mac, like you don't want a laptop, you want a desktop Mac, like I did. Mac Mini was not powerful enough, and then the Mac Pro is very expensive. Uh-huh. So having something sitting in the middle there is an interesting idea. And the idea of it being effectively a beefed up laptop sitting inside a box. That is enticing to many people, especially if you maybe want a small Mac to put in the living room. Or mm-hmm. you know, there there are many applications for it. And and looking at what Apple is doing with the Mac Mini and what they're doing with the Mac Pro, they are leaving this huge gap um, in the middle that I that not for everyone isn't fulfilled by either the iMac or a laptop. But it's a choice to leave that gap, and I'm sure that they've done enough thinking and, and market research to, to be happy to leave that on the table. But for for people that are looking for an option, there is a, there is a space there. I think. Yeah.
1: Yep. I don't think they're ever going to do it. I think no. that's the iMac. They they just like you know, the Mac Mini is the is one edge case, and Mac Pro is the other, and then in the in the middle. You would how about a monitor attached to that computer?
0: yeah, I would say that it it's perfectly fine to have just a Mac Mini and the Mac pro, but the Mac mini's taken a regression, which mm-hmm. isn't
1: which that's the problem right, which I we think. talked about, yeah, yeah, yeah so. um listener Nicholas asks how do you manage semi shared media like music and photos in how in your household with individual organization but avoiding duplicates? Now, there's probably a whole show here, but I'm curious uh, what you do with your media. Just the short version of this is what do you do with media and, and you know, music and photos in, you know, where do you store that stuff? How do you do that? Um, ooh, I don't – I would love to
0: say I had a really good system for it. Um, I don't know. I put, like, a lot of it in Dropbox, to be honest. A lot of the media goes in Dropbox. Wow. Wow. Uh, or and I have like an external hard drive that I use for like what I call cold storage. So something I've had something for a, for a long period of time uh, I'll put it onto the onto the external hard drive for cold storage. Um but then again the thing is it's all mine though, really. I right. don't that that's just what I do with my stuff. I actually don't really have uh
1: a, a shared system of anyone at the moment. And I think that sort of stuff right. comes when you have kids. That's true. I I have um, I have a Mac Mini. See, it's all connected. Um, I I have a Mac Mini with uh music files on it, and then that is shared throughout the house because I've got these you know squeeze box music players that are like Sonos except discontinued, and uh and and so they all have access to that, and I have access to that on my computers, and all you know we can all listen to music that way. Um, photos is a disaster. <laughs> Um, I'm looking forward to the Photos app whenever it may arrive because we still have iPhoto libraries that are way too large and are backed up, but they're sort of like only in one place. And it's actually now, you know, I I can open them from my computer, but they're just it's slow and it's it's painful. I can't Um,
0: speak to the truth of this right now, but I saw somebody tweet earlier that there is all mentions of the Photos app has been removed
1: from the Apple website. Wow, that's interesting yes concerning is what it is <laughs> since that that was promised this year and they've stopped uh-huh. working on the other on the other stuff well that's really interesting
0: i'm I'm um, now kind of just scanning uh the apple website like to see if i can see it anywhere i definitely cannot it's not on the yosemite page wow. i'll tell you what i'll take a look on it it was on the uh ios 8 page before wasn't it well,
1: it is possible that they're doing that because they've got a, got something to roll out, and they and when they roll it out, they want it to all be that message and not about this future thing. It could be. Uh, a hopefully, person would say that. Hopefully,
0: currently the imagery uh, shows iPhoto. Nice. Which is not good.
1: Not not good.
0: There is on the photos page now on the iCloud slash photos page. There is no imagery of the desktop app.
1: Right, which they had. I, I, they sent me a sample a mock-up of the, of the like pro yeah. version of the photos app. There the was aperture my, replacement version.
0: My memory says there used to be an image which was the phone, the iPad, and the Mac. That that imagery oh does not exist anymore. Oh dear. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just hope that they just they've revamped it a little bit and they don't want to they don't want to uh, spill the beans. Let's hope it's that. Yeah.
1: yeah. Sure. Think positive. Think different. Uh, listener lex who is not lex friedman i thought it was lex friedman it's not Uh, lex friedman okay says have you ever had those moments where you felt like you were living in the future i was at a bar i heard a great song i held my phone in the air bought the song with my fingerprint the future is here hashtag relay your feels hashtag ask upgrade
0: he's going for everywhere
1: yeah he wants yeah but you know i just like that i like that moment the uh that that is uh, somebody from Apple get get uh, listener Lex on the line. That's a uh, that's a that that demo as well. That's yeah, that happens.
0: I, I can't think of anything off the top of my head, but every now and then you get that like, oh man, what am I? How am I doing this? Kind of feeling.
1: Can you believe that that just happened? I love those moments when yeah. they come, and I like you know that we were talking. You you listen to these shows that speculate about about technology, and the the funny thing is you realize that. You know, you don't go from you don't go from dreaming that there's going to be the science fictional thing to the thing happening. Usually what happens is you, you there's the science fictional thing and then a lot of time passes. And then you have that moment where you realize, oh, you know, all the pieces. It's no longer like in the future. We will instead of telephones, we'll communicate via video phone. And You think, well, when's that going to happen? When are they going to sell us a video phone? And the reality was, we all got you know smartphones and FaceTime, and you know that's sort of what happened. And it's not the phone system, and it's the internet, and it's not a phone that you're using, or it is a phone, but not the phone as we thought of it back then. You know, it takes those steps, and you realize uh, the technology now exists to make this thing that we used to think was magical, and now you can see how it would all put, be put together. If not now, then in the near future. Um, those are neat moments where you, where you realize, oh, all the pieces of that are here now. They're all plausible now. And that in the next five years, we'll probably see something like that. Whatever it is, some science fictional thing. Uh, and those are neat moments too. They definitely are. And definitely. then um, listener Chris sent us a song or, or a parody lyrics to an existing song. I'm not going to sing it. I don't know, I know <laughs> what the song is. I thought I, thought I was going to sing it. It's God Bless the USA. Oh, I don't know if I know where that goes. Yeah, but uh, anyway, it, it, proud to be an upgradian is the key phrase there. Um, so, so thank you to listener Chris. And I, at one point late last night, after having had uh, several beers and played Dungeons and Dragons for four hours, I thought that I was going to sing that song to end this episode. <laughs> and I, I'm, I, I. I am not opposed to singing. In fact, I sang a couple times during the Dungeons and Dragons podcast. I am not going to sing today. Are you so, not
0: singing today because you had some beers during the Dungeons and Dragons podcast? That's
1: that's possible too. <laughs> it's too late. I I, le- I I you know I left all my singing out there. So, but thank you, listener Chris, for the parody song lyrics hashtag Ask Upgrade American flag emoji.
0: Thank you so much for listening for listening to this week's episode of Upgrade. If you'd like to find the show notes for today's show, you can point your web browser at relay.fm slash upgrade slash 20, or of course go into the app that you're using and click on the yeah, correct right button and they'll be mm-hmm. right there in front of you. Um, I think the reason that I do this is because I think most people that are listening in an app know the show notes are probably there uh, and it's more for the people that don't know where to go. I don't know. That, that, yeah. that, that's kind yeah. of the, my I, thinking. for It's
1: it. good to mention the web address because a lot of people, well, you know, people listen to podcasts, they, they don't tie it to the web. And so they may not know that there is a page, that there is a website for Relay. And so, you know, it's good to reinforce that. That, yes, there is a website and you can always go there to look up what we were talking about on a past show. When you get to wherever you're driving right now, you can go to the web and look it up or, yes, you can look at, at it in the app. Because
0: also there is there is additional information on the website sometimes. So sometimes there's there's stuff that's like images and stuff that not all clients show. But if you want to find the links to contact us or if you want to find us on Twitter and stuff like that, even though we mention a bunch of it, it's all right. there as well. So it's it's just an additional use. But that is a very good point. But uh, I, I don't know enough about all of the apps to, to, to give people um, effective uh, instructions
1: on, right. on where to it's, go. There it's there somewhere. Or just yeah. go to the web. Or just go to the web.
0: If you want to find us on Twitter, you can do so. I am at uh, iMike. But of course, I should have introduced at J Snell first, like a gentleman would.
1: Yes. Um, you're backsliding I, there.
0: I've been trying to do that this week, and then that just slipped out then. I had yep. it in my brain, like I've got to do it. But no, totally, totally forgot about it. So at J Snell on Twitter, J S N E W L, And of course, Jason writes the fantastic six dot com, wh- along with some of his friends. And, and you can friends. Spell it. You can spell it in the English way if you'd like to. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I think you should. Um, and that will also take you to the Fantastic Six Colours. And as I mentioned, I am Mike Early, and you can find many of my shows at relay.fm. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks to our sponsors again, Linda, Casper, Mail MailRoute, and we'll be back next time. Bye-bye.
1: Say goodbye, Mike. Oh,
0: goodbye, Jason. <laughs> I
1: finally get to do that. <laughs>